Justice Tech Pros here. Hope everyone is hanging in. Uh, I want to actually thank the uh, new subscribers and the original subscribers because the channel is continuing to grow and gain some momentum. Last I looked, uh, we broke 1,700. So I'm actually pleased to see that because that's telling me that, you know, uh, what I'm saying is maybe resonating with some, maybe opening a few eyes, maybe people are taking notice, and that's really the whole purpose of this, just to get more and more people involved, just to see things from various perspectives, to open the mind up a little bit, and to gauge concepts, whereas, you know, some may be under the impression that the law is playing out in the courtroom the way it's written in text, and it's really not. So I'm hoping we could uh, enlighten those who maybe felt one way and now they're seeing things aren't always as they appear or how they seem to be or how they're painted to be. So, you know, I'm grateful that the channel is um, is gaining momentum, like I said, and I'm just happy to see that people are tuning in and people are subscribing so they get notifications when a new episode is put out. And I wanted to put one out uh, tonight. Because uh, I had a few things on my mind where it relates to inmate rights while they're in the BOP care. And I'm sure this carries over to the state, but I'm going to be talking more specifically on the federal level. And how things just aren't transpiring the way they should. And they're being stripped of a lot of constitutional rights where it relates to speaking with counsel. And uh, you know being involved in their case. And being able to communicate things. You know, a lot of that's being limited. So I'm going to dive into that in a bit. I wanted to actually read a passage. Uh, I mentioned last time I was reading the book by Cindy Powell, Conviction Machine. And I highly recommend you pick it up. It's, it's a great read. But uh, there was one um, section I wanted to read in the preface. That um, it just, you know, it, it resonated with me, obviously. You're going to know when I read it why. And you'll just... You, it's it kind of ties into everything I've been doing. And it's, you know, to see somebody on the caliber of the author putting it into into words and putting it in black and white and putting it down on paper, it, it really shows what goes on and how things are just unacceptable on so many levels. And hopefully the general public just starts to realize these things and, you know, maybe take them into account when they are finally... If they are called for jury or they're ser serving on a jury panel and they have the opportunity to undo some of the unjust acts that occur. The ability of prosecutors to pin some offense on anyone they choose is the subject of Harvey Silverglate's book, Three Felonies a Day, How the Feds Target the Innocent. As Silverglate demonstrated, the average busy professional going about his business, will unknowingly commit three felonies in a normal day because there are so many criminal laws in the code. Through statutory analysis, case law, and the experiences of criminal lawyers defending cases across the spectrum of federal statutes, he showed how federal agents and prosecutors are able to prosecute virtually any person and any undertaking or transaction on felony charges. The feds need only to target someone who has become an object of prosecutorial interest for any reason whatsoever. The target may be wanted as a witness against a bigger target, or the prosecutor may decide that landing a big fish would be good for his or her career, 
or the target might operate within an area designated as a priority area of prosecutorial interest in that district. Because it is so easy under the broad and vague criminal code to turn even facially ordinary daily activity into a prosecutable offense, and because slipshod ethical codes allow prosecutors to get witnesses to sing and compose, as Professor Alan Dershowitz has felicitously put it, there is never a slow season for federal prosecutions. And the revolving door leading from high-profile prosecutions to lucrative partnerships in white-shoe law firms or high positions in government gives prosecutors all the incentive they need to go after high-value targets. I mean, that, that really says it all right there. That pretty much paints the picture of how they could indict anybody. And when somebody's targeted, you're going to get indicted. And it also gives a little window into the motives behind it. You know, whether it's high positions, whether it's moving up, whether it's getting a promotion, moving up in the ranks, working at a big law firm, eventually becoming a judge. I mean, there's so many, there's so many motives for those things. And, the, you know, the higher the profile, the higher the target, you know, and, and that's, you know, it even broke down. It depends on what district, you know, it depends on the district, who they're going to target, what the benefit is of the target. Is it the media that they're going to get as a benefit as far as getting headlines? I mean, there's so many angles there, and that, that passage really shows, and you're talking about very intelligent people. I mean, you're talking about Alan Dershowitz, talking about Sidney Powell. These are very intelligent people, whether, I don't know, I don't know how anybody could disagree with them when it comes to the law, but if people disagree with them, you know, that's one thing. But you're not going to you're not going to question the level of intelligence that they have. And they're just laying things out. You know, when they're making these observations, these aren't just observations they're pulling out of thin air. These are factual observations. And that should cause concern for any citizen, any United States citizen, anybody who, who believes in the justice system. That should cause concern, because if somebody could be put through that kind of systematic error because they are targeted and be put into this system and get drained by this system, both financially, mentally, physically, all because they were a target, not because of evidence. And, you know, that's what I always harp on. You have to understand, I'm not talking about people where the evidence is there and if they're guilty... I understand all of that. Uh, you know, that's that's common sense. That's obviously not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when somebody's a target and they're selected solely for the purpose of being a target and solely for the purpose of whoever is selecting them has some kind of agenda. You know, there's some kind of motive behind that. Whether it's to move up in the ranks, whether it's to get to headlines, it's just not justified. And to do that and to create a case where it doesn't exist solely based on somebody's personal preference on who they desire to go after, you know, they wake up one morning and decide to pick a target and then devote all their resources to get that person. That's a problem. And the American people should realize that's a big problem. And it really has nothing to do with political affiliations. It has nothing to do with anything along those lines. It just should have to do with what's right and what's wrong and what's fair and what's not. And I think that's what gets lost. People will 
mask it or try to paint it one way because they're trying to fulfill an agenda and they'll try to make you think, well, if you believe that way, you're, you know, you're um, aligning with a cer certain political party and it has nothing to do with that. If you just go by the facts and the evidence, that's what should be important and the American people should realize if somebody's innocent, being selected as a target should not justify that person being put through the criminal justice system. The only thing that should justify that is guilt. If somebody's guilty. And if somebody broke the law. And if they broke the law with the charges. You know, you can't charge somebody. I shouldn't say you can't because it's done all the time. But in theory, in theory, you shouldn't be able to charge somebody based on crimes you think they may have done in the past and then just make up something new almost as if a mean, you know, an end to justify the means. That's not how it works. If somebody's guilty, you have to get them on the crimes they're being charged with. You can't just throw them into a scenario and, and trump up all these charges, hoping something will stick, knowing that the, the system is flawed. And if you have certain things in your favor, such as, you know, a judge not giving the proper rulings, and you have unfair practices take place, the odds are you can convict an innocent person. I mean, that passage passage alone talks about how if somebody's selected, they could be uh, tried and convicted. You know, and there's countless cases that are going on. I mean, we've been hearing about it a lot in the news as far as Target and Flynn and that whole that whole thing, and I don't want to get into that again. This isn't a, a political show, but all you got to do is open the paper. And, I'm, and I know, you know, the bad thing about that is you get people who throw, polit they throw politics into that. And it's a shame because they'll use p politics, but you have to kind of get that out of the way and just look at the facts of the case like anything else. Put politics aside and just look at the facts of the case. And for somebody to be targeted like that, and for somebody to be leveraged where they tell them, you know, we'll go after your son if you don't plea. I mean, all these things that technically you're not supposed to have to deal with, but they're being, you know, done. And the positive side of that is at least, at least there's exposure. You know, at least the public may see that, unfortunately, when you have, you know, there's good and bad on all, on, in all different facets of life. And just because somebody wears a badge or has a robe on or is supposedly representing the government does not make them a good person. They have to prove they're a good person. And they have to be fair. And they have to be unbiased. You know, it's... Uh, and they have, to, they have to operate in a just manner. And if the facts are there and the evidence is there, so be it. Let it play out. But if it's not there and these things are stretched and manipulated to make them work... That really should make the people question the integrity of the individuals involved. You know, if somebody possesses integrity, they're not going to go forward with these cases when they're presented with such lack of evidence and, and, and unreliable sources and information that just isn't accurate. And overzealous agents and overzealous prosecutors. You know, it just shouldn't play out. And when you have a judge who's unfair and making rulings to try to cover tracks and, and try to lead the case a certain way, none of that is fair. And the people shouldn't allow it to happen. And time and again, unfortunately, these jurors fall for it. Why, I don't know. But they do, and they allow it to happen.
and like I said, I'm very happy to see that the show is is breaking member, you know, subscribers because at least that tells me, if nothing else, there's 1,700 people listening, and possibly in the future, you know, maybe one or two or whatever, will serve on a jury, and maybe some of what's said here will stick in their mind and they'll understand. I'm just appealing to the common sense. That's all I'm appealing to. I'm just, you know, appealing to what is supposed to be the law versus what is and what is written in the textbook and what's written in the Constitution versus what's playing out in these courtrooms. And, you know, speaking of Constitution, you know, everybody's entitled to certain rights and I wanted to touch on that a little bit because it's very frustrating. You know, dealing with um, the BOP during this pandemic has not been easy. And I speak from experience where, you know, inmates are not getting their legal mail, uh, specifically inmates in the MDC, which is uh, the Metropolitan Detention Center, and that's in Brooklyn, you know, it was a big problem. I mean, months were going by where they were being sent letters from their attorneys. Now, just to paint the picture, obviously now with the pandemic, they can't have, you know, attorney visits, which I understand. <clears throat> that's not my complaint. My complaint is in lieu of that, you have to make accommodations and you have to make certain that to the best of the ability, constitutional rights are not being stepped on. And an inmate is still having the ability to speak with their legal team and with their counsel and strategize uh, during pre-trial, during trial, after trial, before sentencing. I mean, there's always something to do when you're in the legal system whether you're working on appeals or whatever. So now you would figure, again, common sense, you can't have legal visits. They would do whatever's needed to structure properly the receipt of attorney mail in a timely fashion, the scheduling of calls for the attorney and for the inmate so that the inmate doesn't feel lost, you know, where they're out of touch. And that's not happening. As far as the MDC goes, it's just not happening. And I don't understand the, the push and pull with it. I mean, um, the way the process works, just to give you an idea, I'll start with the, uh, with the calls. Council will email a point person at MDC to schedule a legal call. Now, that's all well and good as long as they get back to council, but emails are going unanswered. So now you have the defense team, which obviously they have more than one client. So now they have to keep track of which clients are not getting the legal calls. When they send the email, if the representative from the BOP is not getting back to them, they have to then re-email these people to try to get the schedule coordinated. They won't get back to them. Weeks will go by. Then they'll get back to them. I had this happen, which was hilarious. I mean, it's it's you have to laugh at it, otherwise you want to lose your mind. They don't get back to them, and then all of a sudden, the it was supposed to be a conference call with like you know three different attorneys on the line with the inmate. They never get back to any of the attorneys. Miraculously, they set up the call without telling anybody. Uh, the individual calls to try to talk to legal counsel, and they're not available because they weren't advised of the call. So now they missed that opportunity to talk, and they had to go through the whole process again to reschedule it. So now they send the submission again. Now weeks go by. They finally get it right. 
and they're able to, to schedule it. They finally get back to council of the date and time so everybody's available. So council, you know, coordinates that. Now, here's the kicker. You're waiting all that time. You only get 15 minutes to talk. I just passed 15 minutes on the podcast. It's already gone. 15 minutes is not a lot of time to talk when you're getting one call a month, if that, to discuss and strategize with your legal team. And now with the lockdown, they have a lockdown going on in the prisons because of the pandemic. They're only getting a call once a blue moon to even their families and you know their loved ones. And now they can't even talk to their legal team for more than 15 minutes at a time, at a period. You can't get into anything, and then you don't know when you're going to have that call again. So now to try to compensate for that, you have the legal team sending letters, sending legal mail to the, uh, to the inmate. So they're sending the legal mail, mail after mail, is going through. Now I, at the same time, I'm uh, writing hand letters to the person. <clears throat> so when I talk to them on the phone... I'll ask him, you know, did you get the letter? He'll tell me he got my letters, but he didn't get any of the, of the legal mail. Now, it's impossible because I know I'm sending my letters for this particular instinct. I sent my letters after the legal mail went out. So my letters are getting through, but the legal mail is not getting through. So all of that tells me is they're holding the legal mail. Now, miraculously, after... Uh, emailing them several times, what's going on, I want to know what's going on, he winds up getting all two and a half months worth of letters, the, the legal team sent him three different uh, correspondence to update on various events, after repeated emails, he winds up getting everything in one shot, he gets all three three letters in one shot, so that, that again just shows me they're holding things intentionally, now what would possibly be the rationale behind that? Outside of looking to make things difficult, what would be the rationale? And there's no repercussions for that. There's nothing one could do. You could complain to the judge, they're not going to hear it. You could complain to the BOP, they're not going to hear it. They yes you to death, but things don't get done. How high do you have to go with that? And that's what's ridiculous. I mean, I've sent several emails personally to different individuals to try to get them to step in and get involved. And like I said, after I, I sent the emails... Fortunately, he did wind up getting the mail, but it's after the fact. I mean, it's after two and a half months of waiting, and then he gets everything in one shot. It goes to show these things are done intentionally. And there's nobody regulating that. There's nobody stepping in. There's nobody monitoring that. And it boils down to integrity. I mean, what is going on in these places where they're looking at somebody's mail? They know somebody is in there. They're already under all kinds of constraints and restrictions. And now with their pandemic on top of it, that's pretty much doubled the amount of freedom uh, that is now stripped away. And you're still going to deprive them of getting their mail and communicating with their legal team. I'm not even saying to make a big deal about the communicating with the family, which in itself is rough to only allow them one phone call like twice a week you know, three times a week max. That in itself is rough. But put that aside, what's more important, people need to speak to their legal counsel. They need to know what's going on. They need to strategize, especially when you have, in our situation, we have a sentencing coming up. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to go over. Now you're stripped of that, and the defendant doesn't get any input 
because he can't talk to his his defense team. So we all, you know, the defense then has to kind of guess certain things and, and try to put things together. How is any of that fair? You have a constitutional right to be involved in your whole legal process every step of the way. That's being taken away, and they're using the pandemic as an excuse. Now, I'm not saying this isn't you know a serious thing. I know it is, but they have more than the capabilities to adjust for this. This isn't rocket scientists scheduling calls, making sure people get mail. It's not rocket science. It's a very simple process. It could be streamlined one, two, three. And until I know different definitively, I have to believe it's being done on purpose. Because there's no other sense. Like, you know, when you do tests, you know, when you do a test run, as I stated earlier, where I sent a mail, I sent in a letter after the attorney sent in letters and two of my mail, pieces of mail were received, right there alone proves it. And it's, you know, it's a problem. And I'm hoping, you know, honestly, I would like to even, I would like to, when I sent them an email, I even told them, you know, I have a podcast going and I'd like to know what the reasoning is. And then he got the uh, the mail the next day. So I'm hoping it had an impact because my next step was actually going to be, I'd like to talk to you on the podcast so you could explain to me why this uh, defendant's not getting his mail and why he's not getting his phone calls. I have no problem putting people on the spot and seeing what the problem is. I don't think there's anything wrong in asking, what are you doing? You know, and that's going to be the next step. If I keep seeing that happen, that's going to be the next step. I'm going to try to set up something, which I know they're not going to do, but I want them to know what's the problem. This is nonsense. Give the defendant his mail and schedule a phone call. You know, it's very simple work. You basically reach out. All the lawyers who contacted you wants to have legal calls. You make a schedule. You know, you have names, A through F on Mondays, you know, and just go through there. Go right down the alphabet. Like I said, this isn't complicated. I don't need to lay this out on here because anybody could do it. It's elementary work, and yet they make it so difficult and they make it so hard, and I have to believe it's intentional because something that minor I just can't wrap my head around it how it could be such a major, major production when it's ridiculous. And when you think all these things, I really hope you ponder how is this allowed? How does this go on in America in 2020? How are these things allowed? You know, and I'm hoping little by little people start opening their eyes. The bottom line is I just have a hard time believing these things are by accident. I feel they're a lot more calculated and they're a lot more intentional. And I think that's the problem I have. When you know when you know something's being done intentionally and somebody's being stripped of their constitutional rights simply because they are a target or, you know, they are a high profile individual or for whatever reason they just have this um stigma about them where where they're just not gonna be treated the same as everybody else. Just have a real hard time with that. And a lot of people experience that, unfortunately. A lot of people throughout the world experience it. I'm not the only one who's dealing with it. There's thousands and thousands of people who deal with it. And it's unfortunate because I think the most frustrating part of it all is the general public doesn't do anything about it. 
you know, when they when they sit on the jury, they just don't do anything about it. They allow these things to take place, and then it's almost like a clean-up effort. Then after you get, you explain what happened, and you explain what went on, then everybody comes out of the woodwork, oh, this was wrong, you know, this shouldn't have happened. But where were they when it was going on? I mean, it's like a lot of these documentaries I, I watch, you know, Making a Murderer and all these documentaries on these innocent people who got convicted uh, in various times for various uh, reasons. And when you're seeing it play out in the documentary, you're thinking to yourself, well, how could how could this jury convict this person? If all this played, how, how, could it, how could that have happened? And it makes you believe they were just asleep at the wheel, just not paying attention, going through the motions, and believing everything that was told to them. Buying it all hook, line, and sinker. And now after, you know, the documentaries and this, then everybody comes out, oh, what happened? I can't believe this happened. Of course this happened. This is society. This is what happens. This is the legal system when you're a target. And the target is, it has a broad meaning to it. It doesn't always have to be somebody high profile. It doesn't always have to be somebody with a label. Target could be anything. In a district, if somebody just don't like you, in a small town, uh, an outsider that, you know, Law enforcement doesn't like. I mean, there's so many ways for somebody to be a, a target. And that's really the bottom line. And it's scary and people should realize that. When someone is a target, all bets are off. Well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hopefully we keep uh, climbing and subscribers. And I hope everybody's doing well. And uh, I'll probably be putting out another episode uh Fairly shortly compared to this one. I had a little bit of a gap. But I'll try to get another one out soon. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care.